Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. It sure made it a lot easier, you know, when you had different sizes of screwdrivers to do your job. You know, and so in order for us to do our work, we needed to have a more complete tool set. You know, there's probably not a man alive who doesn't like to have a complete tool set. And probably one of the most frustrating things is to get in the middle of a job and find out that your tool set's not complete. And you have to improvise, you know. Well, you know, that's true about life, too. Life is a lot easier when we have a completed tool set, spiritually speaking, if you understand what I'm trying to say here. It goes a lot easier. You know, it's kind of like trying to wash your clothes without any laundry detergent. You know, they get clean, but they don't get completely clean. You follow what I'm saying here? You're not complete. And so the Word of God here is given to completely thoroughly to, for that we may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the word good here is parallel with the word God for every godly work, for whatever God's called you to do. And it's so much easier to do what God calls you to do when you are thoroughly equipped and you're complete. So when we look at the word of God here, when it says that all Scripture all scripture. Now, all scripture means from Genesis 1-1. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach all the way through the Bible. I'm just going to give you a few scriptures today. But Genesis 1-1, all the way through the book of Revelation, all scripture has been inspired or given by the inspiration of God. The word inspiration comes from a Greek word, which is two different words combined together. That word is theos sinopis. You say, did you pronounce that right? Yes, I did. You say, how do you know? Because I pushed the button on my computer and I listened to how my computer pronounced it right. Okay? But basically, it comes from two different words. One of them means theos. And in the Greek language, almost anywhere you see the word theo, T-H-E-O, it's referring to some nature of God. You know, we talk about theology, which is the study of God, okay? So we know that this word is telling us, it's talking to us about meaning, you know, it comes from God. But the second word here, it means, and it's neo, okay? And it means breath or wind, So when we put these two words together, what it really means, it means breathed in by the breath of God. Breathed in by the breath of God. How many of you can talk without breathing out? I know some people can talk so much, they talk breathing in and breathing out. But (laughs) how many of you can talk without breathing out? You can't. And so when you think about the breath of God or the inspired word of God, what it really means is that this is God's spoken word to us. Now, we laid the groundwork last, the last couple of messages. You know, in the beginning, John 1.1 was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. 
In fact, if you go to a Jewish uh, celebration and they bring the Torah out, they actually believe that is God speaking to us. We saw in John, 1 John chapter 5, where it tells us that you know, the Spirit, these three bear witness in heaven, the Spirit, God, and the Word. So they're all one. And so if the Word of God is inspired or it is actually God speaking to us, then when we take hold of God's word, we're obeying God's word. When we stand on God's word, we can stand, we can trust on God's word. But the key to trusting God's word is to know that God watches over his word to perform it. That's what he told Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, what are you seeing? So Jeremiah got a word from the Lord and he said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now, God's no respect of a person. Well, he told that to Jeremiah. Well, he's saying that about all of his word. Every inspired word from Genesis to Revelation, God's watching over it so that he may perform it. But guess how he performs it when he hears it? And guess when he hears it, who's the one who's speaking it? When we're speaking God's word, we're releasing God into the situation. That's why it's so important that we understand the first key to really walking in faith is really having a revelation that this is God's word. This Bible is God's word. It's God speaking to you and to me so that we may be overcomers in this life. So when you speak, it takes breath also. And if you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, your spirit, speaking his word, coming out of your mouth, you're doing what it tells us there in Hebrews chapter 11. You know, God created the world with his words or framed the world with his words. You're creating or framing your world with your words. And how much better it is to create your world than anything other than the word of God. Going back to the word of God. So all scripture has been spoken by God, and it is for, the first thing it says, doctrine. Well, what is doctrine? A lot of Christians don't know what doctrine is. Doctrine is a foundation for what we believe. It's the precepts. Doctrine, the doctrine that we believe, that we teach, must be founded in both Old and New Testament. You say, well, how does that work? Well, we know that there is healing in the Old and New Testament, so we believe that God wants you healed. God's provided healing for you, that you can walk in divine health. In fact, I say it like this, I'll never be sick another day in my life. God did not create me in his image and his likeness to be sick. If that scripture is inspired of God in Genesis there where it says God created me in his image and his likeness, is God sick? Well, then he didn't create me to be sick. Now, you know, I know we go through things. I get that. I understand that. That's why the scripture says he's created me to be an overcomer in this life. So that's what the word of God says. And if it's inspired of God and I'm speaking it, then he's watching over it to make sure that it is performed in my life. In fact, Isaiah 55, 11 says that my word will not return void unto me, but it will accomplish that which I sent it. In other words, God sent his word. Well, he sent this word to accomplish it. 
And so we see healing is in the Old Testament. Psalms 103 says that he healed us of all our diseases. And we also see in Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 11, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and will quicken your mortal body. And that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Now, those are just a few scriptures that I, I took out. There's several scriptures about healing in the Old Testament and New Testament. So that gives us a foundation to stand on called doctrine. So we have the doctrine of healing. There's not only the doctrine of healing, but there's a doctrine of peace. In the book of Isaiah, it says, perfect peace will I give those whose minds stay upon me. And we know that Jesus is the prince of peace. That he, he came so that we may have peace in this life. Overcoming. Oh, I'll tell you, all, all in the Old Testament, how they overcome, overcame the natural enemy, which is a type and shadow of us, overcome the spiritual enemy. As the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and weaknesses in high places. What, what do you think those weaknesses in high places are doing? What do you think those principalities in high places are doing? Aren't you seated in a high place? They're, come, they're, they're here to torment you or try to convince you or to create doubt in your mind or to put you in a position where maybe you're, you feel a little belittled or a little ashamed or maybe even a little fearful that if you stand on the word of God, it might not come to pass. So you're not wrestling against a natural person who might tell you, oh, do you really believe that? You, first thing you would say, oh, yeah, I really believe that. But the reason for that seeing that thought was the enemy wants to use maybe that person, but maybe he might want to use natural circumstances. Maybe you're going through something, like Brother Jerry said, man, if you're going through something, you got the devil right where you want. It's once because he just, you know, made his best shot at you. You know, we don't really see in the spiritual realm, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and weaknesses. We have a spiritual enemy called the devil. And Jesus taught us how to defeat him and to keep him under our feet because when he was tempted by the enemy, he said, it is written. Amen. And so the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the word of God is a weapon that we can use to defeat the works of darkness in our own lives. And this is why it's become a habit for me and my wife when we got hold of the Word of God. What is, you know, when, we, when we have questions, what does the Word say? What, is the, what does the Word say? Yes, we need to be led by the Spirit. I get that. But what does the Word say? How does the Word want us to act? How does the Word want us to live? So it talks about overcoming. Salvation is in the Old and New Testament. Prosperity is in the Old and the New Testament. Joy is in the Old and New Testament. Success is in the Old and the New Te Testament. Repentance. And repentance basically means coming to God. Turning to God. That's the best definition of repentance. You know, I know some scholars, well, doesn't it mean turn away from your sin? Well, when you're turning to God, what are you doing? You're turning away from your sin. And the Old Testament where God says, hey, when you, when you drift away from me and you come back, other words, repent, all these blessings will still be here for you. So repentance is an Old and New Testament 
a doctrine. Baptism. Oh, well, now, now you got me on that one. Where is it in baptism? Well, the Jewish custom called it cleansing, water cleansing. And so when the Jews came to John the Baptist, they said, what baptism is this? Because they were familiar with water baptism or water cleansing. And so we see that baptism is a doctrine. And so this is what the scripture is for, is to give us a foundation of what we stand on. Now, when we look at the word of God and such as baptism, there in Peter, it says that, you know, baptism is not a form of, you know, uh, cleansing of the outward man, but a inward cleansing of your conscience, And this is what I tell people. Some people say, well, I was baptized once, Pastor. Should I be baptized again? Sure, why not? If you want to be, not a problem. Because when you're water baptized, it's not just a ritual, but it's a supernatural act that when you go under the water, you're saying, I'm dying with Christ. But then when you're raised up, you're saying, I am raised in the newness of Christ. And it causes something supernatural to happen into your own soul. And that is you, you feel good about yourself again. You feel like you're the righteousness of God. That's one of the things that baptism does. It gives you a clear conscience. And I used to do all the water baptism when I was the associate minister at Calvary Cathedral. And I want to tell you, we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because they were experiencing not only dying to their old self, but the newness of why Jesus was raised from the dead. We had this one girl come, and she had a patch over her eye. She had her eye removed. She had cancer of the eye. And so I asked her, I said, can you get wet? You know, and I didn't really explain what I meant. Submerse. She said, oh, yeah. So when she came into the baptismal, she realized she was going underwater. (laughs) And so I baptized her. And when she came out of the water, at that moment, we didn't know at that time, but she went back to the doctor. But when she got water baptized, she came with cancer in the body. But after she was water baptized, she had no cancer in her body. And I asked the Lord, I said, well, you know, hey, this is, you know, I understand baptism, but that's pretty phenomenal. I've seen people who were addicted addicts, alcoholics, go under the water, addicted, and come out totally free. I've seen people not baptized in the Holy Ghost, don't, not speaking in tongues, go under the water, and then come out of the water speaking in tongues. Why is that? Because they're now entering into that newness of life that God has for them. So we know baptism is, is a biblical doctor. So Scripture validates all that we believe, and Scripture should be our standards. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. So when we look at the Old Testament, who was the Old Testament written for? The Jewish people. Isn't that correct? So this is correctly stated. Yeah, the scriptures are for the Jews. And now for us who are believers in Christ, it's for us also. So the Old Testament promises and the New Testament promises for us believers in Christ are all yes and amen. Someone said, well, that's an Old Testament promise. You know, that that was done away with the law. No, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law so that we could walk in the blessing of the law. Am I doing okay this morning? 
So when it says, I'm not ashamed, the word ashamed here means to be put down for. I'm not going to let anybody put me down because I believe the gospel. And I want to tell you, some people want to put you down. You know, another word for putting down is this. They want to belittle you for believing the word of God. But the gospel, the word of God, the gospel is the word of God. And so it's the same thing. When I believe this word or I believe the gospel, it empowers me is what it really means to walk in the benefits of salvation. It empowers me. Now, I heard a story. I don't know if it's true, but uh, this gentleman went on a cruise. He saved his money for a lifetime and went on a cruise, always wanted to go on a cruise. It was on his bucket list. And so after he was getting off the cruise, the captain said to him, sir, I never saw you in any of the diners. He goes, oh, I couldn't afford that, so I brought my own peanut butter and crackers. He didn't realize that eating on the cruise, the buffets and all the food and everything was part of the package deal. He missed out. Well, there's a lot of Christians that are missing out on the gospel cruise. They're missing out on all the benefits that God has for them in the area of salvation. And so when you're not ashamed or you refuse to be belittled or to back down on what you believe, it empowers the promises of salvation for your life. It empowers you to receive it. The message says it like this. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him. Starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else. As God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what scripture has said all along. The person is right standing, in right standing with God by trusting him that he really lives. That's pretty powerful. Amen. Think about it. You know, they're empowering the word of God to manifest. Well, what are some of those manifests? What are some of those benefits in salvation? Well, in Revelation chapter 13, 8, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In Matthew 16, 19, you've been given the keys to the kingdom of God. In Romans 8, 31, you know that if God be for you, who can ever be against you? In Romans 8, 37, in this life, you're more than a conqueror. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, this is our, our, our victory, even our faith. These are some of the benefits that God has given you. In Philippians chapter 4, 13, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. That word strengthen means being empowered by God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 48, you can weather any storm that life would ever throw at you because you have built your house upon the solid ground of trusting God's word. In 3 John chapter 2, beloved above all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. This is, these are some of God's benefits for your life. Glory to God. I would have had a better response if I would have preached that at the Baptist church, but nevertheless. <laughs> Scripture, number two, is for reproof. What does reproof mean? It means evidence. It means evidence. All Scripture is to prove that God is alive. 
You say, well, I, I just don't believe everything in the Bible. Well, then you won't receive everything that's in the Bible. That's just the bottom line. But if you choose to believe the Word of God, it will manifest. It's proof that God is alive in you. And, the more, and this is why it's so important that you sit under the Word of God. Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. It's so important. It, 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 when you begin to hear, hey, this is God speaking to you, you go, well, if God said it, then I can believe it. If God said it, then it's something I can really stand on. And as we say, we used to say in Texas, if God said it, we can go to the bank with it. In other words, it's a fact. It's truth. It's, it's reality. There's no greater than God or the Word of God. And so, therefore, I can, I can live this. It, it, it proves that God is alive in my life as I trust the Word of God. Not only does it also the evidence but it also in, in, in it strengthens you. You know, how many of you have ever seen what they call in coins a proof set? A proof set is a coin that's been struck twice, not once. What does it do? It brings out the greater details of the mold that created that particular coin, okay? And it also strengthens that coin. That coin's just a little bit stronger than the rest of the coins. That's why you pay a little more for proof sets, okay? And so it strengthens that coin, and it brings out the greater details of the coin or whatever has been carved into that particular mold for that particular coin. Well, this is what the Word of God does. It brings out the details of God's plan for your life. And it strengthens you and empowers you to be stronger so that you can walk and receive all that God has for your life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. So if reproof is evidence, it is the manifestation of those things not seen. Well, we don't see it, but you know what? When we read it, it puts images in our minds. When the enemy comes and says, you know what, I've tattooed an L on your forehead, you're a loser, nothing you ever do will ever, you will never do well in life, you'll, you'll never succeed in life, all of a sudden you start reading this word, it starts changing the very image on the inside of you. That's how powerful this word is. Changing you from the inside out. And so again, reproof means evidence. So as we stand and trust the word of God, it manifests in life, in our lives, and I am living proof of the Word of God. You know, when Vicki and I first got saved, we didn't know each other when we first got saved. But uh, when we first got saved, one of the things we began to do is we just start digging into this Word. In fact, this is how we met. We met in Bible school because we both loved the Word of God so much. And she walked up to me and she said, I'm a prophet and God told me to marry you. <laughs> no, that's not what really happened, but it, it's kind of funny. I know, I got a little sidetracked there. How many of you know it's her birthday today? Well, you're not being very professional, Pastor. Well, it's my message, so I won't be. But anyway, this is how we met because we loved the Word of God because the Word of God changed us. But the Word of God's still changing us. It's still changing us. You know, we're not... We're not perfect yet. You know, Vicky's closer to it than I am, but we're not perfect yet, but we're being perfected. 
You know, we haven't seen all that God has seen, said, he, said he has for us. But you know what? We're pressing in towards it Amen. by allowing the word of God to renew our minds so that we can begin to have an image of this is how God wants us to live. Well, the word of God tells us there in 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that the word or the inspired word of God is for correction. Oh, that's our favorite word. We love to be corrected, don't we? But you know, correction is not rejection. Tell your neighbor, correction is not rejection. Correction is not to point out to you that you've missed it. Do you understand that? Correction is to help you stay on track with God. Last week I shared, shared this, but you know, in, in aviation we have true course and magnetic course. Now, magnetic course is based on a place in the North Pole, and that's where you get your compass points to that magnetic north. But it shifts from time to time. It moves around as the core of the earth moves a little bit. And as we wobble through space, you know, it shifts our magnetic course. So if you're a pilot and you want to fly a long distance based on magnetic course, you have to adjust according to the magnetic course so you can stay on the true course. Now, there's a true north that pilots use. If we use that and all the true points on our charts, then when we take off and we stay on track, we stay on course, and we're going to get where we're going. But you know, if you're flying from the east coast to the west coast, and you're only off a couple degrees, you're going to miss your target by only three or 400 miles. You know, you're not going to be, where is that airport anyway? It's not there. You know, just that little bit. And so the Word of God helps you stay on track. How many of you have a target that you believe God has for you to be up on, to, 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 to accomplish in this life? Of course. You know, there are things God's put in your heart. Well, how are you going to get there? By staying on track. And so correction is there to help you stay on track. It's not there to tell you you've missed it. And you know, God's so good at getting you back on track. I'll never forget when I was a young Christian one time and, and I understood a little bit about compasses and things like that and I saw myself off track, you know, and the Lord said, oh, I'm well able to adjust that for you. One of the things that we do as pilots, if we get off track, we can readjust our GPS to get us directly to the point we're going to and I'll readjust it. So if we're off a few degrees and, and we adjust our GPS and all of a sudden it gives us a brand new track. We're flying, you know, we'll, do, we'll just say we're flying maybe a course of, you know, 192. And we got off track. We re-hit that, that, that GPS button and it says, now we want you to fly 194 and you'll make your destiny. Well, God's good at putting you back on track. Yeah. You know, all you got to do is just hit the reset button. It's called repentance. <laughs> and say, God, I missed it somewhere. Will you help me? And yes, he will put you, he will reset you. He will get you right back on track. He'll get you focused so you can go where God's called you to go. So correction. Correction is so that you can pursue God and discover your destiny. And that's the theme of this particular house. Staying on track with your divine calling and mission. In 1 Thessalonians, and this is a real reason why I'm putting this, there's a reason why I'm sharing this, so you'll get it in just a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, 
Okay, here it comes. We urge you, all right, that you increase more and more. All right, I like that. But how are you going to do it? Here comes the correction. You aspire to lead a quiet life. You aspire to lead a quiet life. In other words, you know, God's not interested in drama. Say, oh, me, or amen. The next thing, mind your own business. You know, the first time I, th- I, I, I saw that, I shut my, I shut my Bible. And I said, shut your mouth. You know, everybody seems to be more interested in somebody else's business than their own business. This was a word from God. Hey, it's your race that God has called you to, not somebody else's race. Hello, somebody. He said, well, they're really missing it. Well, let God deal with them, unless you're authorized to deal with them. But let God deal with them. Amen? You know, stay out of other people's business. Hello, that's good preaching, Pastor. Amen. Glory. That was worth coming to church for. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to make a pack right now to stay out of other people's business. Hallelujah. I tell you what, your life will be so much more quieter and peaceful, if you will. All right, I'll leave it alone. Move on. Work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and as a result, you will lack nothing. So the Word of God will keep you on the track, and He will adjust your, uh, your direction. Number four, the Word of God is inspired to do what? Instruction for righteousness. Instruction for righteousness. The Word of God will teach you how to live a righteous life. Some people, listen, I really believe in my whole heart that we're going to see people come to this church and uh, know nothing about God. Know nothing about living righteously. Know nothing about what the Bible says, how to conduct yourself. That was me when I first started going back to church. I didn't know. I didn't know how to conduct myself in church. I had to have somebody teach me how to conduct myself in church. You know, not that I was ugly or anything like that. I did the best I could, but I had to have somebody teach me how to live righteously. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, uh, 20 through 24 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful of lust, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How, are we doing, how do we do that? Through the washing of the word of God, Right? And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So we have to put off the old. We have to put away the worldly things. We have to look at the word of God and ask ourselves, how do we conduct ourselves as Christians now? What does God expect of us? What is God wanting from us? Not because he wants to control us, but because he wants to bless us. So we put, on, uh, we put on the new man. How do we put on the new man? First of all, you've got to put off the old. You know, I, I believe with my whole heart we're going to see a lot of people that have never been to church. In fact, this happened to me just the other day. I walked into a place where we do business. We, we uh, uh, eat lunch here from time to time. And the person said to me, he said, I've never been to church. What church do you pastor? So I told him, he said, I want to start going to church. Folks, we're going to start seeing people like that. I've never been. I don't know how to act. 
There are going to be people who come and they're not going to, they're not going to know how to act. But you know how to act. If you've been in this church in any long period of time, you should know how to act. And if you don't know how to act, ask your spouse how you're supposed to act. If you're not married, ask me or my wife. We'll tell you how to act, how to behave yourself. No, and all, all, putting, uh, all kidding aside, but there are going to be people, they, they, they don't know anything about giving. They don't know anything about, you know, walking upright before God. You know, they may not be delivered from cussing or smoking or other things, you know, but you know what? We need to point them to the Word. If you're going to honor God, you're going to honor God's Word. In 1 John chapter 1, 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if we go to God, and how do we go to God? We go to his word. You know, I really believe there in, in uh, Samuel, where uh, Samuel chapter 27, it said that David said one day, he said, you know, I'm going to perish at the hand of Saul. You know, he got so discouraged that he quit seeking God. And he defected to the Philistines. Well, it did not turn out well for him. And as a result, his family was kidnapped. Everything that he had was stolen. And, and the men that were with him, same thing. And the Bible said when that happened, you know, even his own men thought about stoning him. Said they were going to stone him. They were all grieved. They were all hurt. And David had to encourage himself in the Lord. You know what I believe David did? I believe David got in the presence of God and said, God, I missed it. You know, the first thing you should do when you miss it is run to God, not run away from God. Amen. Don't try to hide it. Just go to God and say, God, man, I missed it. You know what? He's not going to fall off his throne. Right. It's not like he's going to go, you did? No, he knows. But you know what? He already has a plan for you to get back on track when you miss it. Amen. Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Put you back in right standing with him. And so his instruction is for righteousness. Why is righteousness so important? Because when you know that you're in right standing with God, then you know you can receive from God. It's people who don't know that they're in right standing with God that have a hard time receiving from God. Well, I don't know if God wants to do that for me. Why? Why wouldn't God do anything for you? Well, I missed it. Well, I'm a sinner. Well, I don't do everything right. But the Bible says that he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin so that you may become the righteousness of God. So in other words, what it's really saying is that he put you in right standing. And see, so you need to get that mentality. The word of God will give you that instruction. The word of God will put you in that place where you know that you know that you're in right standing with God. And if you're in right standing with God, is it hard to receive from him? Then when God blesses you, what do you say? Ah, oh, I didn't deserve that. No, you say, thank you, Lord. That's a favor of God. Amen? And there's more where it comes from. Did you know the biggest problem with going to heaven is that when you get there, you're going to realize all the blessings that you miss when you're here on earth? Not me, man. I'm going to empty my heavenly account before I get there. Man, that's my goal. I'm going to empty that heavenly account. What's that heavenly account going to profit me when I get to heaven anyway? It's not going to do me any good. I might as well experience it here on earth. And you know, the more I get, the more I give. And you know, if you need that new car, I just might buy it for you. Amen? Don't get mad at the pastor because God's blessing him. He might be blessing him for a reason. Glory to God. It might bless you. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know where that came from, but we all needed to hear it. All right, number five. Trusting the word of God and believing the word of God will complete and make you whole. Here in the book of Acts, there was a man who was lame. 
And so when Peter and John went by him, he was begging. They said, silver and gold we have not, but what we do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He was healed. And this is their defense here in Acts chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to y'all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you almost healed. Nope. Well, we're believing for it. Nope. How was he made? Whole. See, he wasn't whole until someone spoke an inspired word that came from God. What was that inspired word? Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I shall do it. What did the disciples do? They asked in the name of Jesus for this man to be made whole. And God instantly made him whole. So trusting the word of God will do more than just direct you or correct you or keep you on course, but it will complete you and make you whole. The last thing I have here today is this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It will thoroughly equip you for every good work. That's what the Word of God will do. It's equipping you for every good work. How many of you have ever wanted to do something that you knew was good Maybe you wanted to support a, a missionary uh, with more finances or you wanted to buy something for somebody that you knew they could really use, you know, but you just didn't have the money to do it. Hmm? Well, God wants you to have the money to do it. God wants to equip you to be able to do that. Oh, I sure wish I could help that person. I just don't have the means to do it. Well, you know what? This is what the Word of God is designed to do, to equip you so that you can help in every good work, thoroughly equip you for every good work. Now, you know, the number one challenge that most of us have is that we're not fully equipped. But you know what? He's not done with me yet. Amen. Glory to God. I'm looking to the word of God for him to fully equip me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So he's going to equip us for every good work. Is that right? So he gives us these fivefold ministry to do what? Sit around and play cards and eat fried chicken? No. To teach the word of God. This is what you're supporting with your tithes and your offerings. This is what you're supporting when you come to church. Listen, I, I appreciate online ministry, but you know what? It shouldn't be an excuse for you to stay home because the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. Amen. It's important that we encourage one another face to face. You know, when someone says, I'm praying for you, I, I appreciate it. But when someone comes and grabs my hand and says, Pastor, I want to pray for you, I really appreciate that. I want to encourage you. You know, it's wonderful. I know there's no distance in prayer. I know God hears their prayer. But you know what? How much more special it is when you come and you encourage somebody else to continue on. You know, I'll never forget one time this lady testified, and she came to church. This is when we were associates. And she came to church, and she was going to give her life. She was going to take her life that day. And uh, in the song, the special was, I have reason to believe in miracles. And it changed her life. What if the person who was 
asked to sing that song decided that church wasn't important that day? What about the person who came and said, man, I'm giving $1,000 to this, you know, cause. And uh, so she was, she was greeting and she was one of our singles and we knew that she was a single mom and we knew she didn't have a whole lot of money. But she had a desire to, to give a $1,000 offering. And someone walked up to her and said, I'm going to give you $1,000. She goes, why are you doing that? And they said, because I like your smile. What if she never showed up to church? It wouldn't have happened. You know, so we don't need to forsake ourselves, assembling ourselves together. We're here to edify, encourage, and strengthen one another. That's part of completing one another so that the Word of God can go forth freely. How many of you got touched in the beginning of the service this morning? Amen. Amen. How many of you ever leaving with a little more joy than you came with? Amen. Why? Because God was doing something special here. Probably wouldn't happen if you're watching online at home. It could, but probably won't happen. So let me encourage you as much as you can. Online's there for a tool. For those who can't come, we understand that. You know, we, we appreciate those who are watching online. We're thankful for you. Don't forget to give in the offering. And, um, but the bottom line is this. God wants to have a corporate anointing Amen. so that we can encourage one another. We're here to equip you. Well, Pastor, I was so great that you were laying on hands on people and they were getting joy. Let me tell you something greater. When you're in a service and you're laying hands on people in the church and they're getting joy. The greatest testimony was when that little girl had a visitation from Jesus in our school. It was so powerful that she prayed for every teacher and every student in that school, and it changed their lives. That's what the Word of God is to do. Well, we'll just leave it up to the pastor. No, listen, folks. We all are called to the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ. And we need to be encouraged through God's inspired word. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.